This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. It's a great day. We're starting a new series today called Crowns. Called Crown. I'm so excited about this. The more I studied, the more I prepared, man, I believe God has something this month for us. And this is a topic that we don't talk about. But before we get started, I, I just want to I just want to encourage you. How many of you today, maybe, maybe you just pressing pause on this experience that we're in right now, we would realize that we're sitting in a room filled with people when, when right now, th- this is not just new to us, it's not just new to our community, this is an experience that's been happening for literally thousands of years. It's called the ecclesia, the assembly of God's people. That's what we're, we're kind of joining in today with, with thousands of people who have, millions of people who have come before, thousands who are gathering millions around the world even right now. And it all began thousands of years ago with a, with a teacher, a, a man who, who walked this earth that we call Jesus. His followers, and, and, and that's kind of what happens to a good leader, right? He began to assemble and grow a group of followers. And his followers were called something that, that we use this term a lot, but I don't think we think about what it means. His followers were called disciples, and, and we know the 12 disciples, right? We get John, the best friend of Jesus, Peter, the one who would proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah, but then also the one who would turn his back on Jesus in his greatest hour of need. Even Judas, who we use as kind of a, a cultural kind of reference to those who might betray us. But, but, but think about the word disciple. Think about the word disciple. Where does it come from? It has an obvious origin. To be a disciple means that you have embraced a discipline. Jesus shared a new way of living, a new commandment, a new kind of way of processing day-to-day life. It was a new discipline, and his followers were called disciples because they were willing to embrace his discipline. If we were kind of looking at buzzwords, like let's say we worked on a political campaign, and we're trying to pull the right word to use in the speech, I promise you discipline would not be very high on that list. None of us like that word. Because that word is invariably associated with pain. With pain. And we are hardwired in our hearts and our bodies to react to pain. Why don't you think about that with me? Think about it. Think about it. The, the book of Hebrews chapter 12 says this about discipline. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. It's not pleasant. It's painful. 
This is what we know about discipline. We know this. We experience it. We decide to get in shape. We go to the gym. We go do a little workout. And the next day, because we haven't been in the gym for months, we feel it. It's painful. We decide we're going to start, start trying to invest in our spiritual life, right? We, we get up early to do a little devotion. What? It's painful. It's, no discipline is pleasant at the time. No, instead, it's painful. It's painful. But look at what the rest of the verse says. But later on, later on, you know what that implies? That discipline is a process that produces a product. Discipline is a process that produces a product. It is not something that is the silver bullet that magically fixes a problem that you have. It is a process that produces a product. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Think about that. Think about that. Righteousness and peace, we want to be right. We want to be the person we were created to be. We want to live at peace with others and at peace with God and even peace in our own hearts, minds, and souls. But are we willing to be trained? Are we willing to be trained? I, I just want to spend a few moments as we get started today talking about the, the, the benefit, maybe what pain produces in our life. What does pain offer you? Because a lot of times the, the pain of discipline is something that we, we neglect, we don't want to look at, we don't want to understand because it's painful and we're hardwired to avoid pain. So let me give you just three simple observations about pain as we get started. Number one, pain is the way we train. Pain is the way we train. That's what the, the verse says there, right? No discipline is pleasant at the time. No, indeed, it's painful, but you will experience a harvest of righteousness and peace if you are trained by it. If you're trained by it, pain is the way we train. But but what what's your response to train? What's your internal response to, to pain when it comes up in life? How do you respond to pain? Let's let's just be honest about it. Many of us have different some of us when when pain comes up, we're like, you know what? I'm I'm done with this journey. I, I was going to the gym. I did not expect to get sore. I want abs, but I don't want any pain along the way. Some of us some of us just think that's going to be painful. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing it. I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. Some of us view pain as a sign that we're actually in the wrong place. That we're doing the wrong thing. It's too tough. If it was if it was if it was this tough, it's just not meant to be. Because all things that are meant to be are easy. They just happen. I believe that our response to pain 
lays a platform for the progress we make in life. And if you resist the work of pain in your life, you'll be slow to make progress. If you resist the work of pain in your life, you will be slow to make progress. I think we we just every once in a while need to be reminded that God is more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. And he will allow you to experience circumstances and seasons that are not comfortable because he wants to develop within you a character that will far outlast the moment that you're in. Sometimes you just got to go through it to get what it has to offer you. And if you keep trying to escape it, run around it, avoid it, pain won't be able to offer you what it has to offer you. So the second thing that I want to encourage, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste it. We got got some friends in here this morning, lost parents in the last few weeks. It's painful. It hurts. Don't waste that pain. Don't waste it. There's something for you in this season as God's moving in your life. There's something in that pain. Don't waste the pain. Some of you have been hurt significantly. You've been hurt by, by others, by things that they've done, things that they've done to you, things that have been said about you. Don't waste the pain. I believe that as we start to understand how good God is, we start to see that everything, everything is meant to, to do something. And, and, and I think that, that sometimes when we, when we work on trying to understand pain, we don't do it the right way. When you're trying to understand pain, Start with God and not with your pain. See, most of the time what happens is we start to go, well, where is God if all of this is happening? That's starting with your pain. And If God is who he says he is, he's bigger than our circumstance. He's bigger than our moment. He describes our life as a cold morning when we breathe and there's vapor in the air and then it's gone. That's what we look like compared to who God is. And a lot of times we try to understand God by starting with our experience. That's the wrong way to work on this. We start with who God is. Well, who is God? And one of our fundamental understandings of who God is is that he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. And I would encourage you to start not with, with, if this is happening, could God be good if this? That's starting with your pain. No, start with God and then work in your understanding towards your pain. God is good. 
And we know that the scriptures tell us that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which means that everything that happens to you happens for your advantage. God is doing something. It's not a, a, a set back. It's a set up. Our, our job in faith to say, God, help me see the blessing in this. Because every pain has a purpose. Every pain. Every pain has a purpose. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. Every pain you experience in life has a purpose. Do not waste it. And lastly, if you're taking notes, just this simple observation that your pain is producing a prize. Your pain is producing a prize. That it is within you a, 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 a big motive. How many of y'all have ever been in a painful season and all of a sudden just the things that really matter become a lot more clear? All of a sudden, you know, that stuff you were worried about that was stressing you out is not stressing you. you. You see how important your relationship with your kids and your family and your calling and your relationship with God is. And all of a sudden, all that stuff just doesn't matter as much. It is at work within you to produce a prize. See, a lot of times we get this as believers and followers of Jesus. We would say, I know that God has good things for me. Even if it's not in this life, I believe that eternity holds uh, an, an eternity with Jesus. There's no greater prize than that. But listen to the words of Romans 8. Since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. It is that work within you producing a prize that nothing else could ever do. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste it. There's a purpose in the pain that God is allowing you to endure in life. There's stuff that we're going to feel that's painful, and it comes as a result of dumb decisions we make, and sometimes it's because of other things, but I believe that God is allowing those things to produce within us a prize. And so I want to take you to kind of the anchor passage for this series. We're going to be in this series crowns for a few weeks, and, and I, I want you to see kind of where we're coming from. In 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul teaches on prizes. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Some of my friends in here have run marathons and half marathons, and I've watched you. I've watched you suffer for months getting ready for that. I've watched you. 
I've watched you get in the race and suffer in the middle of the race, track you online, looking, how, how they doing, where are they at right now? Isn't it insane that we'll do it? We'll train. We'll get in there. We'll start running again. It hurts. It's not fun. We don't really like it, but we do it anyway. See, the Apostle Paul says something here, that, that, that everyone runs. But if you think about a race, only one really gets the prize. And he says, so, so when it comes to your life, run your race in a way that you get the prize. In the next verse, he says something that was very contextualized, and I need to explain that, so look at this. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Now, leave that up there for a second, because he, when he says goes into the games in Corinth, where he's writing to, there was kind of an, a very regular Olympic-type event. It was uh, multi-categories, running, lifting, throwing, all that kind of athletic stuff, and, and, and the people who entered into it spent years training to be a part of the games. It was like the Olympics for us. I follow several Olympic athletes that are working towards Tokyo this summer. They've been years in the making for their careers to get ready to perform in this precipice of an event called the Olympics. Well, it was the same way in Corinth, and they were familiar with this. They would have to hire. It was a one-on-one relationship to a personal trainer. They would train every day. Everyday hours and years put in to preparing for one games. Everyone, they go into strict training. And look what he says next. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. All that work, all that effort is put to get a crown that might last for a few years. But as followers of Jesus, we're laying our lives down to chase after a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to what? To my body, not to your body, not to my neighbor's bodies, not to the cultural conscience. I just strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want you to hear this today, that there is a reward for your relationship with God. There is a reward for your relationship with God. And the Apostle Paul is saying that we need to run this race, our lives. We need to manage our lives in such a way that we get the prize. So for a few weeks, we're going to focus on this. Next week, I'm going to talk about our rewards. Like the things that God has already just put on the table. These are yours. Take them. I believe that as we look at that, it will, it will literally transform your Monday morning. When you start to understand, when you walk into your regular life, what God has offered you. The next week, I'm going to talk about how we give up rewards. The rewards in our lives that we have let go of. 
In the fourth week, I'm going to talk about what would it take for us to level up in our experience of the rewards. And in the last week in this series, it'll be right before we go into our Easter series, I'm going to talk about the greatest reward that we get. But I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question coming from the words of the Apostle Paul. Think about what he said. He said, I I beat my body into subjection so that after preaching Christ, I won't give up the reward. What if we were living in such a way that we were giving up our reward? What, What if... What, what if we're trying, we're enduring the pain, but even though the pain is there, we're not experiencing the reward? What, what if it would be literally possible to have all the pain but none of the reward? I think that's such a sobering question. Such a sobering question. To know that God through Jesus purchased reward for you and for me, but that we could live in such a way right now that we forfeit the crown that he bought for you to wear. So I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 8, and we're going to deal with three things that Jesus said. These would be the least tweetable things that Jesus ever said. I mean, really, if you're thinking about in the day of like of politics and being able to make, you know, kind of speeches that resonate with people, these are challenging statements, and they're made back to back to back in Mark chapter 8. And I believe that as we lean into what they mean, I think God's going to challenge us a little bit this morning. Mark 8, verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, those who have embraced his discipline, and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, we read this statement In retrospect, we look at it understanding that Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty of sin so that we could be made right with God. The the hearers of this comment didn't understand that. It was common for someone to have to share the load of their cross because it was too heavy for them to care. Right, it, it, and, and even in the story of Jesus, there's, there's someone who is kind of allowed to carry his cross for a portion of the journey to Golgotha from where he was convicted. Could have meant that, right? Could have meant a lot of things. But in retrospect, we see what it meant. See, many of us, want to follow Jesus. There's a lot of people who want to follow Jesus, but Jesus doesn't just simply say, follow me. 
He says, no, you've got to first deny yourself, which means that every person in here walks into our relationship with God with ourselves sitting on the throne of our heart. And he's like, if you want to come after me, that's fine, but you've got to dethrone yourself. The, the opinion that matters the most is no longer yours. If you argue about things and you keep arguing about what your opinion is and how you think it should be and what you've researched and all, if you don't argue about the opinion of God as stated in Jesus, then there's a, a, an issue with who's sitting on the throne of your heart. Jesus is like, don't just, you can't just follow me and you be the person that's in charge. You've got to deny yourself. Dethrone yourself. Then you can follow me. But only after you take up your cross. And we know now what that meant. That Jesus would take a cross walk all the way across Jerusalem to be raised to his death. And that death was brutal. For crucifixion, most people died very quickly. But not for Jesus. It was hours on a cross. It was agony. It was pain. You gotta dethrone yourself. And then you gotta be willing to experience the pain of the process, then you can follow me. When you're willing for one and two, three is an option. I want you to see something about the pain that you're feeling today and about how good and loving our God is. It's the first thing you notice if you're still taking notes, that Jesus never asked you to embrace a pain that he didn't endure first. Jesus never asked you to embrace a pain that he didn't endure first. So if somebody hurt you because they were a close friend, then they turned their back on you, well, that happened to Jesus. You lost somebody that you love. That happened to Jesus. Somebody physically abused you. That happened to Jesus. Your family didn't understand you. That happened to Jesus. You have people in the community who talked negatively about you. That happened to Jesus. You're facing sickness, maybe even death. That happened to Jesus. He's never going to ask you to embrace the pain that he didn't endure first. Never. And that pain is there for a purpose. It is producing within you a prize that far outweighs the pain that you're enduring in this season of life. If we're ever going to follow him, 
We've got to dethrone ourselves. We've got to be willing to embrace the pain of the process and then choose to follow him. That's what following looks like. You can't follow Jesus and live your own way. It doesn't work. So then he says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That's the funny thing. A lot of times we view our existence like we're, we're kind of amassing a life. We're, we're, we're bringing in relationships and possessions and all of a sudden, many of us hit this point of gravity where there's so much around us that we're just not willing to let go of it. But Jesus is like, listen, you can't hold on to that and move forward. You can't. If you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. There's a reality in that that's so beautiful but so challenging at the same time. And it's this, number two, that you don't get to keep anything, but you can choose to give it away. You don't get to keep anything. Think about it, your your bank account, all the money that's in your bank account will one day be in somebody else's bank account. Every piece of clothes that you own is one day going to pass to a landfill, to a thrift store, or to somebody else. Your car will one day no longer be driven. Your house will be lived in by somebody else. There's not a thing in this world that you get to keep. Nothing. Why do we hold on to it like it's our life? You don't get to keep anything, but you can choose to give it away. Some of you, some of you have sat in some funerals for people that you love in the last few weeks. And here's what I know about those experiences. You know what we talk about? Not what they had, but what they gave away. Because you don't make a life by what you have. You make a life by what you give away. So here's, here's what might be very real for some of us in the room today. That whatever you're holding on to is what's holding you back. So what are you holding on? Maybe it's a relationship. It's a friendship. It's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe it's the hope of a future that you don't have right now and you can't even make it happen for yourself. Maybe it's you're holding on to somebody treating you as way that you, you've wanted them to treat you that way forever. Maybe it's a spouse to be a certain kind of respectful or someone doing something that you particularly think they should do. 
Maybe you're holding on to being right. And just simply being right is holding you back. See, Jesus said, for many of us, it's holding on to our own life. There's no way that you can hold on to your life and embrace the cross. If we're going to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him, it means that we've got to let go of our life and start reaching for him if we're going to move forward. And in the next verse, Jesus says one of the most haunting things that he says in all the Gospels. In Mark 8, 36, he says, For what good is it for someone to gain the entire world and forfeit their soul? What good would it be if you got all the attention, all the awards, all the acclaim, all the praise, what good would it be if you had all the money, all the cars, all the clothes? What good would it be if your body looked perfect? What good would it be if you gained the entire world, but you lost your soul? So number three, don't run an eternal race to get a temporary prize. Don't run an eternal race to get a temporary prize. This is a, a race that was meant to be lived not just from now until we die, but we're, we're invited into eternal life today. Eternal life means that, that life when it ends here on earth is not a, a period in the sentence of life, it's a comma. Because we transition into eternity with Jesus. But you know what's keeping so many of us from stepping into eternal life? It might be that you're living a good life right now. I have a friend who pastored in Southern California's church was very affluent and on a Sunday morning he was preaching out of the same passage and he looked over his congregation and he said I'm just going to be honest with you there are a lot of us in here that don't want to go to heaven because you love your life way too much right now what good is it if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul, what good is it if you run an eternal race and all of a sudden your, your mind gets twisted and the rewards that you're looking for are no longer eternal rewards, they're temporary rewards. The Apostle Paul said clearly, we run this race not to get a crown that will last for a few days, but a crown that will last 
for eternity. See, there's pain both ways. I mean, that's consistent in the human condition. Are you going to get out of the pain what God paid for? It's going to cost you. Everyone in this room is going to experience pain. But not everybody's going to get the price. Run in such a way that you get the price. Live your life in such a way that at the end of it, you don't forsake the prize, that you don't live for something that's temporary and meaningless, that won't go to the next season of life in eternity. Live your life in such a way that you every day are reminded of the value of eternity, that you see every day. You know, when Jesus said that you were supposed to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me in another translation or another part of the Bible as it's recorded, Jesus said, you got to do this every day. It's not a decision you make one time. You take up your cross daily and follow him. Are you willing to live for a reward that will outlast today? Because when we are, I think God can do something really powerful in us. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.